the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Well, it's decision day or commitment day or May 1st as I record this. I'm not sure when you are listening to it, but I wanted to share some thoughts that I think are pretty helpful. I pass these along uh, typically to my private clients uh, all month long and after the fact. Um, I just feel like this information is not the same stuff that comes out from guidance counselors, so I figured I would... uh, yak about it for the next uh, three or four minutes. Not not a long one. So what happens on May 1st? That May 1st is traditionally the day that the housing deposits are due from students who are enrolling in the colleges of their choice, at least out of the ones that they got into. May 1st is also a really, really important and anxiety-ridden day for the college admissions officers and college administrations because that's when they see exactly how many kids they were able to enroll and whether they hit their target or fell short, or etc. So what that ties into is May 2nd, the wait list. Um, there's going to be a lot of room and um, moving and shaking on the wait list this year. That's my feeling based on the sheer numbers of people who are waitlisted and based on what happened last year, 2022 and 2021, right, at, right as we got into the, the pandemic. So my advice for people who are wait, waitlisted at schools that, that they are still interested in attending, even though they have not yet heard, is to reach out immediately in that, that first week after May 1st, if not the day of May 1st, and say, listen, I just want to remind you, I'm still very eager to come, and if there's some way that I can get off the wait list, I'm I'm ready to rush in my deposit and attend. Um, I think the wait list movements will kind of go on through June, maybe a little bit longer, but there's definitely going to be some action as far as I'm concerned. So there is hope if you are waitlisted. But let's say that you were waitlisted or rejected from your top school and you're not particularly thrilled about going to the, the college that you have now chosen on May 1st. Typically what happens is, you know, in my experience, at least 95% of the time that kids end up loving the colleges that they quote-unquote settled for. Um, the opposite is true a lot, too. Kids get into their dream schools and realize, you know, sometimes as early as two or three weeks that it's not everything that they were hoping for, that their expectations weren't set. Sometimes this is pretty ill-founded, particularly if it happens in the first couple of weeks, like in August. But sometimes it is, um, it's a real thing. You know, it's based on information about, I don't know, the workload or the types of kids who go there or the experience of the professors and all that. So just because you get into your dream school doesn't mean that it's smooth sailing uh, from that point on either. Getting back to the idea of what happens if you're settling for, for the college that was not your top choice school. So most of the time, you're going to learn to love your college and uh, buy the hoodie and do the bed party, all the other silly rituals that uh, seem to have uh, emerged in the last uh, five or six years. 
Um, but even if you don't do that, if that's not the case, then you know what you can do is transfer. It's not the end of the world if you don't get into your top choice school right off the bat. It's very common, actually, for kids to start off at one school, then maybe come home. Maybe they had some sort of you know reason to get home or mental health stuff or um, financial, some other issues. Take local classes at college number two and then reapply and attend a third college. It's such a popular phenomenon. There's a name for it. It's called the swirl. Um, it's not what everyone does, of course, but it's common enough. So if it does happen to someone in your family or you, it, it's not a big deal. And there is no stigma uh, that is attached to it, at least uh, out of the you know, 20 plus years that I've been doing this, it seems less and less of an issue every year that goes by. So that should take a little bit of pressure off. Um, either way, what, it, what you should be doing when you start college is buckling down and trying to get the best grades that you possibly can get. I know that's kind of a Captain Obvious statement, but if you hate the school and you need to transfer, then the best thing you'll have going for you is an academic record that shows that you are able to master college-level work. And without that, it's going to be a lot harder to transfer no matter, no matter how well you did in high school. You also need to be able to thoughtfully demonstrate what it is that is missing at the current college that you're trying to trans transfer away from and to articulately describe what you are looking for specifically in the colleges that you're looking to transfer to. That question, you know, what's missing and what are you hoping to get, in so many words, is really the main question that you'll get for an essay for a transfer application. So you need to be thinking about that as you go along, but like I said before, chances are that it'll be moot by the time you're actually ready to pull the trigger, which I would recommend you do after a year, not after six months, and certainly not after two weeks at your new college. That's not giving it enough of a fair shot. Um, Pearl, my wife, has a saying, you know, when you transfer, you're bringing yourself to the new school also. And she knows what she's talking about, not only because you know she's a co-founder of our firm, Lockwood College Prep, but also she was a transferee herself. She attended Skidmore College right out of, college, right out of high school, a very small school in upstate New York, Saratoga Springs, and realized that she had made a mistake. She didn't want such a small school, so she buckled down and became a 4.0 student and worked out like a freak and ate really well and uh, you know, disciplined herself and devoted all of her time and energy into producing uh, an exemplary academic record. And then she transferred after her freshman year to Cornell. And the thing about that is what she realized later is that some schools like Cornell have a very robust transfer program where they bring in um, you know, a couple hundred kids, I think, in a, in a class of transfers as opposed to some of the smaller schools which sort of just dump kids into the mix without much of a transfer program. And it was easier for her to acclimate because Cornell had a robust program. So that's another thing to think about if you're transferring. Like, where are you going to transfer to in terms of their ability to integrate kids into the new school in sophomore year or wherever you are transferring? But look, um, 
I, I, I doubt if you're unhappy, I doubt this is, like I said, going to be the case uh, forever, permanently. And the fact of the matter is, is that there are far more similarities among colleges than differences. Yes, if you're at a small school and you realize that you're um, you're missing a uh, a bigger school type of experience, or you know, some kids they go they go and play sports, you know, at a small school, and then they um, realize that they don't want to play anymore. And the main driver for them attending that small school was in order to be able to play soccer or lacrosse or something like that. And then they transferred to a bigger school. We had uh, probably three or four kids that we worked with last year who ended up expressing that and maybe actually uh, transferring as well because of that. Um, my advice for those types of students, if you're you know, thinking about playing a sport in college, is make sure that you're attending the college, um, that, you, that you want to attend that college, I should say, independent of whether you're playing sports or not. So, so just assume that you will stop playing whatever sport you're being recruited for or that you're hoping to play in that college and ask yourself, am I still going to be happy here? But... Again, it's not the end of the world if you are not. So go ahead and uh, make that deposit if you haven't already. Um, the only other thing I guess I should say briefly, because it's a little bit outside the scope of what I'm talking about, but if you're still in the middle of appealing or negotiating your um, your financial aid or your scholarship offer, it doesn't end May 1st necessarily with the housing deposits. I've seen plenty of negotiations drag on after May 1st. If you haven't started, uh, same thing. I would... I would absolutely um, not give up. Don't don't throw in the towel on that either. All righty. Hope you found this helpful. Um, if you have a younger child and you are interested in getting some advice, you can check out our website, LockwoodCollegePrep.com. You'll see all sorts of programs, including our summer boot camp for essays and applications. That's for rising 12th graders. And you'll also see programs that we have for younger kids, as well as SAT and ACT prep and financial aid consulting. Quite a lot on our site for you to check out. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please share the episode. Please give us a rating, glowing preferably, uh, just, just so it can help us spread the word and keep doing this podcast and get you this information. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle Group Coaching Membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass, um, and get access to our double-secret software, College Guru software, that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid and need-based aid opportunities, as well as some other benefits, check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at LockwoodInnerCircle.com and use the coupon code PODCAST for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.